has been all right i mean i had a really really bad tension headache earlier this week and that was with me for like three days y'all i don't recommend getting tension headaches seriously it's not fun anyway but all in all yeah so far pretty good uh i I hope you're all doing well uh so to kick off kick things off of course we're going to jump right into some disney headlines before we get into our main story story movie which is of course the fox and the hound uh, wonderful film. I love it. Uh, I'll get into it in a second. Uh, but yeah, so some quick Disney headlines here. Uh, firstly, cast members and Imagineers hope that Disney is going to halt their relocation to Florida due to the ongoing political rift. Uh, so basically, back in, I believe it was in July of last year, um, uh, approximately 2,000 cast members in the Disney Parks Division were told uh, that they were going to need to move to Florida or risk losing their jobs. And they were given 90 days to decide. So, like, I don't know how I feel about a company being like, hey, we need you to move here. If you don't, you you are fired. I don't like that. Um, but apparently a lot more people had actually agreed to do it than initially expected. Uh, however, some people are <clears throat> hesitant to do the move in the first place. <clears throat> oh, excuse me. Some people are hesitant to do it in the first place because of what's going on in Florida right now. The political climate is not great. It's not very queer friendly. And a lot of the people who are wanting to move are queer. And, you know, they're just like, "Mm." so they're hoping that this whole decision will be reversed uh, just for their own good, I guess. You know, it's like anyway. Uh, And then actually Governor uh, Gavin Newsom, uh, the governor of California, actually tweeted out, uh, quote, Disney, the door is open to bring those jobs back to Flo- to California, the state that actually represents the values of your workers, which is pretty, is basically like, hey, look, Disney, why don't you keep people here where they'll be happy rather than make them move to a place that will make them miserable, right? Because, of course, the whole, the colloquially known uh, don't say gay bill has been passed into law in the state of Florida and there are other states that are following suit. It's a whole fucking mess. It's a whole thing and it's not great. And yeah, makes me question why people want to live in Florida and even why is Florida? Why is Ron DeSantis? Ron DeSantis is an asshole. Anyway, so that's kind of one little thing. Um, so I'm, I'm hoping that these people who might need to move uh can you know not if they choose not to and everything just for their own safety and their own sanity because honestly like i don't know what i would do if i i don't know what i don't think i could do it i don't think i could live in a place that was like actively so vehemently against my existence like it's wild to me it's wild to me that they're that like of course, I, I, I of course cannot comprehend it because I've never I've never grown up in a time where my existence by law was criminal, right? Like I'm not black. I never grew up during the civil war during the civil rights era. Uh, I'm queer, but I grew up knowing that gay marriage was legal here in Canada, you know, and 
by all by all accounts, we are so much more uh, progressive in terms of our queer rights here. Uh, I mean, like we are on a federal level, our right our rights as queer people are protected by our Bill of Rights, right? Like, there's nothing that they can do to us uh, that, uh, like, for example, we can't be fired for being queer. Like, we can't. It's 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 against the law to do it. So it's wild to me that there are places that are that way and that are just so vehemently against me existing. It's just wild. Like, it's it's, it's wild to me that people have that much dis dis dislike have that much hate that's what it's not i'm trying to find a nice word for it but it's there's no nice word it's hate they hate us anyway but disney's like fuck it uh because apparently and i think i may have touched on this before but um in the new film Lightyear that's going to come out soon this features uh one of the main characters is uh is a queer character uh and actually has a kiss with her wife which i think is you know awesome so which was actually initially taken out so like the fact that it was taken out at all was dumb but they put it back in and i think that's just like one step in the right direction because i think disney's finally starting to listen to people being like hey look we know you're we know you say you're progressive but like all these all those instances that you say that have been queer representation haven't been representation that's not it. Like, that's not the thing. Like, there's an, ar- <clears throat> there's an article here in USA Today that talks about it, and they actually bring up, like, some of the other instances. Uh, like, um, uh, Alicia, who is the character, who is the queer character, uh, isn't the first queer character in, in a Disney Pixar film, although she's certainly the most meaningful. In recent years, the Mouse House has received blow- blowback for its feeble attempts at LGBTQ plus representation. A lesbian cop in Pixar's Onward who briefly mentions her wife, and a lesbian couple strolling outside together in Finding Dory. I didn't even catch that in Finding Dory. Like, and also not to mention, like, the inst- the the blink-and-you'll-miss-it instances uh, in Star Wars Rise of Skywalker, where there's two women kissing at the end. They, like, just pan over it happening, and it's, like, fucking done. And the moment with LeFou dancing with another man in, in the uh, live-action Beauty and the Beast. Like... That's not representation. That's tokenism. And it took me a while, especially the version, the the one with Onward, with the lesbian cop. That one took me a minute to, or that one took me a bit to actually get to the point where I'm like, no, no, you're right. That's not true representation. Like, it's a throwaway character with, uh, with one single sentence. And like, on the one hand, part of me is like, okay, like, there's acknowledgement that they exist in that world, in that universe, and so this means, you know, that the the acknowledgement of queer existence is nice but you can't just do that and be like okay yeah no we we you know we have queer representation it's like no you don't you don't that doesn't fit like the uh the 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 best instance in recent time that i can think of is um with uh oh shit what was the character's name uh, is the character in Eternals? He's the guy that makes that can like create. He's the genius engineer, Eternal. I can't remember his name, but he has a gay husband, or he is gay and has a husband, and like his whole thing is like he has 
a husband and a son. And like that instance of rep- that's that's the representation showing that he has a family and like that he, and showing the kiss and everything. Eternals did it. Eternals did it right. Marvel has been doing a really bang up job with this sort of thing. And it's just going to get better because like in the next in Love and, uh, Thor Love and Thunder, uh, Valkyrie is supposed to be is supposed to have a romantic um, uh, storyline, storyline, romantic storyline in which she looks for a girlfriend. So we're going to have good. I think we're going to we're getting to the point of where we're getting good queer representation at the very least within Marvel uh, and like active queer representation, which is really nice. This next headline uh, has to do with the fact that. So the headline says Disney says state of Florida is on the hook for the, its one billion dollar debt. So this is in reference to the fact that Ron DeSantis, Ron DeSantis, uh, being the pouty little bitch he is, uh, revoked Disney World's like independent government thing that they have that they've had for pretty much the entirety of their existence in Florida, which is one of the reasons why they even did it in Florida is because they were able to basically self-govern. Uh, the Reedy Creek Improvement District uh, was established in 1967 by Disney and the state as a way for the entertainment giant to raise its own revenues to pay for municipal infrastructure expenses like roads, waste services, fire safety, and water at Disney World. Considering that Disney World was so big, they kind of had to have their own thing, right? It's, it's, it's almost akin to like Vatican City being inside Rome. It's kind of its own little governing thing. Uh, Reedy Creek issues bonds and levies taxes on properties within its boundaries, which border the Orlando area ex- effectively on behalf of Disney. So the ta- the whatever taxes go through there within that area, I expect. I mean, of course, I'm not, in that, I'm not, a, I'm not an expert in this sort of thing. But from what I gather, anything that's made in taxes in within the Reedy Creek area is then uh, spun back into Disney itself. Uh, in order to keep it effectively running, I guess. Uh, quote, in light of the state of Florida's pledge to districts to the district's bondholders, Reedy Creek expects to explore its options while continuing its present operations, including uh, levying and collecting its ad valorem taxes and collecting its utility revenues, paying debt service on its ad valorem tax bonds and utility review bonds, complying with its bond co- covenants and operating and maintaining its properties, the statement says. I don't know what any of that really means. Again, I'm not an expert on this, but from what I can understand, from what I can understand, it's basically like uh, we're basically going to keep acting the way that we are until something else happens, I guess. Um, The state would be, yeah, the state would be on hook for the district's outstanding debt obligations of about a billion dollars, I think, uh, if it were to be dissolved. So, like, if it were to be dissolved, then suddenly it's up to the state to uh, to fund the taxes for Disney World, I guess. So, ultimately, if the, if the whole – if Reedy Creek gets dissolved, then it's not necessarily just going to be the people living within Reedy Creek or, you know, what have you, who whose tax dollars go back to Disney World and help to keep it running, but effectively the entire state. So, the state will have to – uh, we'll have to cover that, which is interesting because I feel like it should be the reverse that Disney pumps back into the state, but I don't know, maybe it's, I don't know. Again, I don't really know how all this works. All I know is that it's going to be shitty for Disney and for the state of Florida. And this is literally just Ron DeSantis just 
being a whiny little bitch. Moving on. <laughs> That's my final statement on that. Uh, if y'all don't follow the Twitter feed, uh, I've been trying to be better about getting on it. Um, let's see. Uh, yes. So a couple things that I've that I've tweeted out. So there's the new uh, Thor trailer, which came out on the 18th, which gives us our first image of uh, Jane Foster as uh, the Mighty Thor, which I'm really excited about. Uh, and then, uh, there was a new poster for Lightyear. Uh, here's something fun. So Doctor Strange in the, in the Multiverse of Madness apparently has actually been banned in Saudi Arabia, Kuwait, and Qatar for the inclusion of an LGBTQ plus character, America Chavez. America Chavez, I believe in canon in the, uh, in Marvel. Uh, I think... I want to say she's bisexual. I want to say she's bisexual. If I'm right. Regardless, it's going to be like, she's still going to be a queer. We have a queer character. Uh, oh, no, she's a lesbian. Sorry. Um, who is also Latin American. A Latin American lesbian, which I'm all on board for. Uh, so with her being so prominent and, you know, kind of necessary to the plot, considering that one of her powers is she can travel the multiverse. She opens these literal star-shaped holes, like they look like a star, like a five-pointed star, and she can travel within the multiverse. So she's going to be a very, very important part of this movie, which I'm very excited for. I get to see it next week. Yay, I'm so excited. Um, yeah, so it's been banned in these three countries because just because America Chavez is in it. And it's like, it's one of those things where it's like, it's not like in the Lightyear movie where they could just remove the kiss scene and then ship it out to these places. America Chavez is an active part of this movie and is a, is like a main character. So she can't just be erased. And so basically those three countries are not going to be getting this movie because bigotry. Because, yeah, because we still live in a time. <laughs> Fuck. Also, uh, officially we are getting a Haunted Mansion movie, again, uh, coming out March 10th of 2023. Why March 10th and why not on Halloween? I don't know. Couldn't tell you. So, <laughs> I just, I mean, like, I don't know. It's not even that whole thing, because, like, recently there's been a whole thing where it's, like, halfway to Halloween, you know, but, No. Anyway, uh, so yeah, we're getting a new Haunted Mansion movie. Uh, we'll see how that goes. I mean, if any of you have seen the original Haunted Mansion with starring Eddie Murphy, um, you'll know that it's uh, it is lacking. It's it's not great. And then the Muppets released a Muppets Haunted Mansion film, and that one is fucking perfect. Well, it's not perfect, perfect, but it's damn good. And so it's like, because like, yeah, I mean, admittedly, the bar is set really low with the Eddie Murphy film, but how they did it with the Muppets, I thought was so good. It's so fun. I highly recommend it. Y'all should fuck. Y'all should go watch it. So I guess we'll see. I mean, like, no, of course, nothing has come out yet. Um, they haven't released any sort of um, what's it called? Uh, like footage or anything because of course I guess they haven't really started uh, filming I'm they're probably in pre-production right now and they're gonna be in production 
soon probably um but here's a little bit of uh so there's they released an article uh uh disney parks blog released an article here about it uh says Walt Disney Pictures' Haunted Mansion is based on Disney's classic theme parks attraction and starring a star-studded ensemble cast that includes uh, Lakeith Stanfield from Knives Out, Tiffany Haddish, we love Tiffany Haddish, Owen Wilson from, uh, well, you, we all know who Owen Wilson is, Danny fucking DeVito, because why not, Rosario Dawson, we love Rosario Dawson, Chase Dillon from the Underground Railroad. Uh, the film was directed by Justin Simeon, from Bad Hair and Dear White People, and produced by Dan Lin and Jonathan Eyrick from uh, Live Action Aladdin. Nick Reynolds and Tom Peitzman, Pe- Peitzman, Peitzman are the executive producers. In this mysterious adventure, a doctor, do- played by Dawson, uh, Dawson, which Dawson again? Oh yeah, Rosario Dawson, oh, fuck, <laughs> sorry, and her nine-year-old son, uh, played by... Uh, Chase Dillon, uh, looking to start a new life, move into a strangely affordable mansion in New Orleans. Okay, so here we go. They're setting in New Orleans. Now, already step one. Step one, we're already doing a much better job. Because uh, in the Eddie Murphy movie, it's never explained where the mansion is. Just They're just at a mansion. They never say that it's in New Orleans. Only to discover that the place is much more than they bargained for. Desperate for help, they contact a priest, uh, played by Owen Wilson, of course, who in turn enlists the aid of a widowed scientist turned failed paranormal expert, played by uh, Stanfield, uh, Lakeith Stanfield, a French Quarter psychic, played by Tiffany Haddish. Uh, nice job with the with uh, the appropriate type of representation there, and a crotchety historian by Danny, De- played by Danny DeVito. So what it seems like to me, just from this, is that they're going the route of something akin to like poltergeist uh slash amityville horror just without the horror uh it just seems like it's going to be one of those things where like this family moves into a house they find out the house is haunted and so they bring in people to try and exercise the house but who knows considering it's disney it'll probably also be full of comedic moments and lighthearted moments as well uh so we'll see we'll see The, the the big thing that i'm curious to know is how are they going to go about um uh how are they going to go about introducing the various um like scenes within the ride do you know what i mean so like the the hallway uh the the uh séance room the dining hall the graveyard the attic you know like uh, all these famous set pieces within the ride how are they going to introduce them in the movie how the muppets did it is they very much did it kind of like um gonzo and uh pepe the prawn were walking along basically being led on a tour by will arnett uh and it worked so, and I think part of that is because they heavily leaned into the comedy because it's the Muppets, right? So they heavily leaned into the comedy. And so they were able to touch, they were able to just make it funny and make things very silly. So, yeah, so that's good. So that, uh, I tweeted that out. Uh, there is an article attached to it. Uh, and of course, we have up next as well, Hocus Pocus 2. Yep. It's happening. I mean, like, we've known it's been happening, y'all, but, like, the fact that it's, like, an official announcement by Disney kind of, uh, like, 
I'm excited. I'm excited about it. Do I have apprehensions? Of course I have apprehensions. But I like the fact that they brought back a lot of the original cast. Uh, they brought back the, th- the original witches. And, of course, they brought back Doug Jones to reprise his role as Billy. Uh, as Billy. Uh, so, yeah, that's going to be exciting. I'm just curious to see what ha- like ha- what's the story. That's what I'm curious about. And uh, finally, they two days ago, they released a a new tra- a second trailer for the Chippendale Rescue Rangers Disney Plus movie. I mean, I'm going to link it. I'll link the trailer and y'all can decide and y'all can see what you think, but I don't know. I mean, like, just, I don't know. I'm very apprehensive about the whole thing. But I guess the bright side is that it's being released on Disney Plus, so I won't have to pay for it, right? So, I mean, I'll probably watch it just because, like, I love the Rescue Rangers. I love Chippendale Rescue Rangers. Um, Freaking, uh, what's it called? Um, Disney Afternoon was one of my favorites when I was young. Like, even though I was kind of a bit too young to remember it 100%, like, those theme songs still stick in my head and those characters, you know, like DuckTales, Rescue Rangers, Darkwing Duck, Tailspin. Uh, I don't remember Gummy Bears as much. Uh, I think that was a little earlier, but fucking Gummy Bears, like, yeah. Yeah. We'll see what happens, because it's supposed to be like, the idea is that um, this takes place like years after Rescue Rangers was cancelled, and like, so people, you know, they went off and did their own thing, so I don't know. We'll see. We'll see how it goes. I'm I'm apprehensive, but again, I think the only real reason why I'm kind of still okay with going through with it is because I'm not paying for it. <laughs> because I don't have to pay for it. Because I don't have to go see it in theaters or whatever. So, there you go. Any hoozles. So, on to the main event. The Fox and the Hound. So, I knew it was going to happen. I knew it was happening. I was prepared, yet I wasn't prepared. This movie had emotions. Lots of emotions. Like, I cried twice. Almost three times. This movie, but it plays the emotions so well. That's the thing. Is that, like, you cry, but you don't feel bad for crying because they're emotional moments you know what i mean i don't know like it's hard to explain but just yeah they're great it's 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 a good movie it's very fun it's it's heartwarming but also heart-wrenching it's really good so basically we start the movie silent it's so very quiet in the beginning there's like no intro music it's really weird also is this weird is this weird that i'm doing this how does this feel I'm sorry if you're not. I'll stop now. <laughs> sorry about that. I don't know what the hell happened. I'm losing my mind. Uh, yes, so we basically start off with <laughs> with uh, so we start off with uh, it's very quiet. We're seeing a bunch of these beautifully painted watercolor backgrounds of forest scapes and things and we're hearing barking. We're hearing dog barking. And we're like, what the fuck's going on? And suddenly, 
we see a fox. And the fox is holding a baby is holding a pup in his mouth. So this mama fox is running, 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 running. And we shortly and we shortly kind of deduce that this fox is being hunted. So as they're going along, uh, eventually the fox runs by a couple houses and she drops the baby next to a fence post and then she runs away and then suddenly bang. Mom's dead. Again. Another movie where mom's dead. <laughs> what is it with Disney and moms? I mean, like, Walt had a great relationship with his mother. I don't know why. Like, the Disney company just want. I think it's because they know it'll pull at heartstrings. I think it's because they know that they'll get an emotional response from people. Does that make it? Does that make it cheap? Does that make it a cheap emotion? I don't know. Any hoozles. So, after that happens, this owl appears out of a tree. This owl's name is Big Mama, because why not? Uh, oh, it doesn't say who Big Mama's voiced by. Oh, no, that's not good. Oh, no, I'm a liar. There it is. Uh, Big Mama is voiced by Pearl, uh, Pearl May Bailey, uh, who was an American actress, singer, uh, actress, singer, and author. Uh, appearing mostly in vaudeville uh, made her broadway debut in st louis woman in 1946 uh and she received a special tony award for the title role in an all-black production of hello dolly there you go good for her Atta girl uh anywho so yes okay so big mama comes down and like tries to comfort the pup because the pup's fucking scared and she flies to these two ridiculous birds uh one is a woodpecker and the other is I I'm not sure but he's like a I think he's a chickadee it's like the really small kind of ball shaped bird with like really long tiny legs bounces around a lot I don't know what I don't know what type of bird that is what species of bird that is but anyway so these two are like trying to um are trying to trying to catch this caterpillar that's inside a tree uh and it's that's that's the main secondary plot in this film is that these two birds are just trying to get this damn caterpillar, which I think is hilarious. Uh, they never do. Spoiler alert: they never do, which I think is hilarious. Uh, but yeah. Uh, and so then they come to they come in or Big Mama pulls them out, pulls them out, saying that uh, she needs their help, presumably we just kind of assume that big mama is like a well-known um, personality within the forest, I suppose. Uh, so they, she's like, Hey, I need you. I need y'all to come over here. And they're like, okay, cool. So they go. Uh, and so they go see the puppy or not the puppy, the Fox, the Fox pup. What is the word for a baby Fox? I guess it's just a Fox pup. Cause of course a Fox is a canine, right? Anyway. Okay. So they deduce what to do and what they do is they get the attention of the little old lady who lives uh, who lives whose fence uh it belongs to and this oh, this old lady uh is a widow and she owns a farm and presumably that's kind of how she makes her her living is she just owns a farm which is fine uh and so she comes out 
uh, because the, uh, the woodpecker, <clears throat> uh, whose name is Boomer, voiced by Paul Winchell. Uh, Paul Winchell is, of course, famous for, uh, is the first initial voice for um, Tigger. Oh, my God. Where did, like, I just did not get the name for a second. So uh, he hammers on the door. She comes out. And then she sees Big Mama and uh, Dinky, the chickadee or whatever, the little, the tiny bird, like pulling at her laundry. She freaks out, and so she runs over to them. They drop the laundry on top of the of the baby fox pup. She sees she sees that it's a baby fox pup, and she's like, "Oh my god! Like, where's your mom? I've got to take care of you." And so she starts treating it, and she starts taking care of the pup of the pup, names him Todd because he acts like a toddler, which is adorable. It's very cute. Cut two. The next door neighbor, an angry hunter man named Amos Slade. We don't like this man. He's a, he's bad. And so he comes home, uh, and there's his old dog. I don't know. His dog's name is Chief, but I don't know what breed he is. It looks like, if you look at him, it looks like a, oh. See, I can see the dog in real life in my head. But, I don't know. Either way, supposed to be a hunting dog, presumably. Anyway, so Amos comes home with a bag, because that's how you transport a new puppy. What the fuck? Anyway, comes home with a bag and, like, puts it up to uh, Chief's nose so that he can sniff it. And in there we find Copper. Uh, Copper, the little bloodhound puppy, who looks stupid stupid cute like so fucking cute and he's like trying to play with chief and chief is initially like very like what the fuck he's like apprehensive about the fact that there's now a new puppy and it's adorable um yeah but then eventually uh he kind of cuddles up to chief and chief lies down and they all they fall asleep together and it's all adorable it's very cute oh my god it's like yeah <laughs> okay so mini time jump and uh we see todd who uh comes into the barn where um uh widow tweed apparently is her name uh where tweed is milking the cow and then uh todd comes in is like asking for milk she shoots the milk into his mouth from the udder it's wild and then he then todd scares some chickens uh and then causes a big ruckus, spills the, literally sp spills the milk. Uh, and then Tweed gets all grumpy at him. And like, Mara, look what you did, but I can't stay mad at you because you're so cute, which is true. And then shoes him off to go and play. Todd ends up finding Copper. Uh, because Copper starts to sniff him. And Chief's like, I don't smell anything. And Copper's like, no, there's something there. So he goes, he kind of goes into, there's like, I guess there's like a pasture or something, but there's like a space of, of land between the two houses and Copper finds Todd, uh, and they start playing and it's very sweet. The big thing about this movie is that there are songs in it. Um, and they're like super sad isn't the right word, but I guess they're more like just emotional songs. But, like, there's the song here, which is Best of Friends, uh, which is basically Big Mama just singing about how they're, best, they're the best of friends uh, and stuff. It's a very sweet, emotional song. 
Um, and then from there, they or uh, Copper gets called back to the house, and so their play date is over. Uh, but then it's get, it's more and more established that uh, um, Todd and Copper become bigger friends, and uh, there's a relationship building. Although I will say, I do think, uh, I do think they should have played it a little more. Because the thing about this movie is that it's only in it's it's eighty three minutes long, so it's not even a full hour and a half. I think this movie could actually have been expanded a little bit, personally. So in here's one instance in which I think they could have had another instance of them playing together. And, you know, exclaiming that they're best friends and stuff like that, you know, and like and building more of that relationship together uh, and kind of making it more than that. You know what I mean? Not more than that. And that I think they should be a gay. They should be gay, but more in that. I think there should be more buildup of friendship so that when the friendship eventually does kind of crash and dissolve or whatever, um, it's much more emotionally impactful. Right. It's still emotionally it's still emotionally impactful in, in as it is. But I think it could have been even more. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Anyway, but this, of course, was in a time when like movies didn't run any really, really any longer than an hour and a half. Right. So they did what they did with what they had. And it still works. It still super works. Uh, anyway. Uh, so, yeah. So Amos gets frustrated because Copper is kind of running off and playing and stuff. And he doesn't want him doing that because he doesn't want him getting lost or whatever. And so he eventually ties him up uh, to the – because the, his Copper and Chief have barrels that are outside the house to sleep in. Uh, presumably this is because this is, like, during, like, summertime and things like that, right? Uh, this is probably during – I expect this part of the movie, this section of the movie, I think, probably takes place in, like, from mid to late spring to the end of summer into the beginning of the fall. Uh and that's why they have the outdoor uh the outdoor barrels right because it's it's hot enough right so it's it's not necessarily a concern of whether or not they're cold or unsafe or whatever it's just you know it's the temperature's fine for it but anyway and so uh amos ties todd up to the barrel or sorry ties copper to the barrel and then todd comes and sees uh copper tied up and whatever and like wants to play in the area and copper's like no, no no we can't if you wake up chief he'll kill you kind of thing right so Todd's like man i'm not worried about i'm not worried about chief so he goes into the barrel and starts fucking with him he's like whoa look at those teeth whoa whatever and then like uh chief starts to dream that he's chasing something and suddenly he sniffs and he's like no what is it uh, and he wakes up he's like it's a fox and then a giant chase begins todd just fleeing for his life he runs into the chicken coop he runs out of the chicken coop uh amos is fucking blasting his rifle left right and center trying to kill todd or whatever eventually todd uh makes it back to uh widow tweed's house where he's safe amos comes in barging in he's like hammering on the door he's like woman like uh woman your fox your fox was in my kitchen my chickens and blah blah blah." of course like making shit up well no it's not that he's making shit up it's that he this is what he thinks happened Right, which is fair, you know, because of course he didn't see what actually happened, of course. But anyway, and so now we kind of have a little bit of a problem. 
Amos basically threatens to kill Todd if he ever trespasses on his farm again. Uh, and so Todd is sad and he's kind of stuck inside. And then he sees Amos packing up the car uh, because hunting season is happening or has come upon them. Uh, and so Todd sneaks out, runs to Copper uh, because he wants to say bye, but of course he doesn't get the chance to. And so Chief, Copper, and Amos all drive off and uh, they head off into the wilderness uh, to go and hunt. So this is kind of where we get a little bit. We get a mini uh, time jump. We see seasons change into fall, into winter, like through the through various like snippets like of uh, Amos's house with the barrels being covered in snow, as well as cuts to and from Todd and Copper, where we see Todd kind of just living life, but also missing Copper. And we see Copper learning how to be uh, a hunting dog. Like there's instances where he's or Copper's like sniffing and hunting with Chief and things and is doing that. Uh, and then it's also here where Big Mama Dinky and Boomer explain to Todd uh, what will happen when he finally comes back, right? Because he's like, yeah, like when he comes back, things will be different. And they're like, yeah, you're right. He's gonna be hunting dog. Like he's not gonna be the same Copper that you know, right? Kind of just trying to uh, trying to explain that to Todd, which is you know. But of course, Todd is naive, and he's you know. He firmly believes that they will be friends forever. So, cut to the spring. Todd and Copper are now adults. Uh, and it's funny because, like, or sorry, one quick thing before that is that in the winter, we see uh, Boomer and Dinky still chase after the caterpillar who ends up going inside the house and like sneaks into a plant, a planter that's like right next to the stove. And so that's how he's keeping warm. And they're all annoyed about it. They're like, look at him keeping warm. Like, whatever. We'll get him when we get back. And of course, they fly south. They say goodbye to Big Mom and everything. I just thought it was a very funny moment. Uh, anyway, now, and now cut to spring. So now it's springtime. Uh, Todd is an adult. Uh, the birds have come back uh, and they find this adult fox and they're like, no, that's not the that's not the little baby we saw and that we rescued. Blah blah blah. And it's, yeah, sure enough, there's Todd. Uh, Todd, adult Todd is voiced by none other than Mickey Rooney. Uh, and adult Copper, when he comes back, is voiced by Kurt Russell. Funny, funny, uh, fun fact. Also, a young Copper was voiced by Corey Feldman, a very young Corey Feldman. Uh, and so, yeah, so they're all like, holy crap, like, you're, you're so big now, and everything, and then, then they see, uh, and then they see the car come back, uh, and we see Copper as an adult now, he's a full, he's a full-on bloodhound, he's a full-on hunting dog, him and Chief, uh, and the pat, and the giant pile of animal skins, uh, that they have, uh, the, here's the, the the big thing about Amos Slade, I think, is that another reason why I think he's an asshole, other than just his general personality, is that uh, he, 
I don't. I'm I'm fairly certain he hunts for sport. And I don't think he hunts ethically. I think he's you know he's a bad hunter. Uh, I know people who hunt. I know people who will go out into the wilderness in the cold and will hunt for deer uh, specifically. Um, and yeah, like there's a whole process when it comes to hunting. There's licenses you need. There's ballots that you need to take in order to kind of figure out what animal you're going to hunt as a way to kind of make sure nobody hunts the same animal, like uh, multiples of the same animal, so as to, you know, not kill the population kind of thing. Um, there's animals you can and cannot hunt. Uh, there's areas you can and cannot hunt. And when you do the hunting, it is expected that you do something with the with the carcass, right? And whether that's just modern thinking or not, I just think that is something you should do. If you are going to hunt an animal, I would assume that you are then going to use every part of that animal for something. It's things that can be used, I expect. And the thing is, is that you can, aside from the fact that you can use pretty much all the meat as meat, as food. But there's things you can do, like with the skins, you can use them, you can make it into leather. Uh, with uh, the bones and fat, I think you can make into soap. I think you can do that. Well, I know the bones you can make like like stock and stuff like that. The fat of the animals, I think you can make into soap, if I recall correctly. Um, but yeah, like there's there's stuff that you can do with the animal to make it uh, like worth it. That doesn't it doesn't like saying to make the animal worth it. It doesn't sound right, but that's the best way that I think I can I can say it is that like to make sure that the animal doesn't go to waste, right? To make sure that it wasn't an unethical kill, right? And like there's literally cultures around the world that have been doing that, that have been hunting and have been uh, ethically killing these animals and using them for food and using them for everything, right? Like even just looking at like indigenous cultures like uh, here in the West, like there's shit that they do. Anyway, so that's why, that's another reason why I'm not a big fan of Amos Slade. Aside from the fact that he's a huge dick, I don't think he's an ethical uh, hunter. So, he comes back. Uh, and then Todd runs up or goes to, uh, goes and sneaks up to Copper late at night. Uh, while they're chatting, Chief wakes up and he alerts Amos. And so a big chase ensues. Copper's, Copper and Chief are chasing Todd. Uh, but when it gets to a point of where where Todd is like hiding in underneath a bunch of like lumber and then Copper comes up and finds him he's like I'll let you go but it just this one time right so it's kind of like I can understand Todd's apprehension and his sadness because he's like oh no like my friend is gone like I don't I don't have a friend anymore and it's really sad and so Todd runs away. Uh, he ends up running, uh, runs up to like a, a bridge that's like a train track, train track bridge. I don't know if there's a name for it, but it's what it is. And gets cut off by Chief, 
Now, here's where we get an issue. So, so Chief is chasing Todd. There's a train coming. Todd drops down to go underneath the train. Unfortunately, Chief isn't able to, and so he gets knocked by the train, and he gets knocked off. And he falls. He hits a few rocks, and then he finally lands in a stream. And, the, and he finally lands in a stream. And then Copper runs up to him and uh, thinks that Chief is dead. Uh, and then he's like super pissed, and he's like, "Todd, I'll get you for what you. I'll get you for this." Blah blah blah. You know. And so it's like, "Oh fuck." Um, turns out Chief is fine. Uh, he uh, broke his leg. So that's okay. Like, dog's fine, everyone. Don't worry, they didn't kill the dog. And so uh, what ends up happening uh, is that Widow Tweed uh, brings Todd into the house. Slade is pissed. Runs to Widow Tweed and basically yells at her and is like, I'm going to kill that fucking fox. And so she realizes, you know what? There's nothing I can do. He, he is in danger. I have to do something. And so here's where it gets real sad. Um, basically, she takes him on a ride. And all the while, while she's doing that, while she's driving, uh, there's like a voiceover that happens. And um, like this voiceover basically says uh, how much they it's it's spoken in in prose um and uh it's basically just her talking like in her own head about like all the good times and how she's gonna miss him and everything and it's very emotional because like todd is just like you know like when dogs are in a car and they're like super excited and they're like trying to figure out where they're going and they're going from one window to another and everything so todd is all excited he's like oh where are we going we're on a ride it's very fun and then he sits, and then he looks at her, and she with her sullen face, and he looks back, and he's like, oh. Like, obviously not speaking, but, like, just through the animation and through his mannerisms, you can see that he's trying to communicate. He's like, are you okay? Is everything fine? He puts a paw on her arm. It's really sad. Y'all, it's really sad. It's a moment. It's a fucking moment. And then... She goes to what is called the game reserve. It's basically an area in which uh, it is illegal to hunt. So it's an area that's protected. Uh, animals in that area, specific area of the forest cannot be hunted, so they're safe uh, by law. So she puts him in the game reserve because she thinks that he'll be safe there. Technically, he should be. We'll get to that later. Um, puts him down, removes the collar that she put on him, and then just kind of leaves him there. And as she's walking away, he, like, does that thing that dogs do where they see you walk away. They'll, like, walk up to you to kind of follow you. And she's like, no, no, no. You have to stay. And so he sits and just stays there. So she goes into her car. She drives off. She looks She looks back. Y'all, she looks back. And then all you see is Todd sitting there staring with that face of, like, doing the head tilt thing. Like, what's going on? What's happening? I'm very confused. And you're like, he has no idea. He doesn't know what's happening. And it's very sad. Ugh. It's very emotional. It's very sad. <laughs> also, I feel like it's a little... I mean, it's not fully unethical, but it's also not great that she just, dro <laughs> she just drops him in the forest, even though he's been... Um, 
like domesticated effectively and it's like he has no idea what the hell to do he doesn't know how to fucking hunt he doesn't know how to find shelter he doesn't know shit so it's like did she really help him or did she just put him in another really shitty situation that it's going to be very difficult for him to get out of anyway so he's in the game reserve he's in there he's confused he has no idea what's happening he's wandering around he's like i don't know what the fuck is happening uh and so it starts to rain it gets late uh he kind of goes around trying to find a place like a shelter or whatever he finds a couple burrows one is home one is home to a family of raccoons another one is home to a very very grumpy badger uh and then this porcupine who took pity on him takes him in and lets him sleep in uh his burrow it's very nice of him uh porcupine is uh voiced by john fiedler fiedler i think it's fiedler uh who as we know it uh voices piglet uh also chief just for the record is uh voiced by pat bertram whom we've heard in previous films before as well uh, super recognizable voice. You'll, you you would immediately recognize him for sure. Uh, and so the next morning, uh, he falls out of the burrow because he gets poked by the porcupine because, you know, shocker. He falls into the badger's burrow. The badger gets really pissed at him. And so he just kind of wanders off. Uh, Big Mama finds him in the forest. And she's like, how are you doing, love? And he's like, I'm terrible. This is awful. I hate everything. Uh you know, just kind of understandably so. Yeah. Like, why shouldn't he? Why wouldn't he hate everything? Everything is awful for him right now. Um, then from there, uh, she, or Big Mama kind of flies off and sees Vixie, who is another fox that lives in the forest, uh, who's just kind of hanging out, just um, having some water by the stream, just grooming herself and stuff. And Big Mama's like, oh, like, uh, we have a new addition to the forest, you know. He's another fox. He's very handsome. And Vixie's like, oh, really? Well, I mean, like, if he needs any help, you know, it's just like, it's like, girl, how desperate are you? My God. Anyway, here's the other thing between this. So, uh, so Big Mama introduces Vixie to Todd, who is immediately infatuated by her because she's a very, very beautiful vixen, very beautiful lady fox. And so they chat. Uh, they try and hunt fish. He's like, yeah, of course I can hunt fish. You know, doing that whole like macho thing. He's like, yeah, of course I can do that. It's fine. Of course he can't. He fails miserably at hunting fish. Everybody laughs at him. He's all disgruntled about it. He like says some mean things to Vixie because he's pissed. And then um, uh, Big Mama's like, that's no way to talk to a lady. Like, you gotta you gotta do better. And so like then there's another song. Uh, called, I think it's called Appreciate the Lady. It's a, like, the songs in this movie are not strong. They're not strong. They're, they're not strong. But it's fine. Uh, Vixie is voiced by Sandy Duncan, uh, who uh, is best known for her revival of Peter Pan and in the sitcom The Hogan Family. Uh and so they make up and then they get together and they are very friendly and then like a relationship blossoms 
Here's the other part that I think should have been extended a little bit just to make it a little bit more believable because next thing you know, they're in the same borough together. It's like, wait, wait, wait. Y'all just met and now y'all are like living together? This is wild. But also they're animals. And so what the hell? <laughs> I feel like, sure, animals get like a pass, I guess. Anyway, so they're living their life. They're all happy and everything. Um, however, Amos has kind of deduced that widow tweed dropped todd off in the game reserve and he's like oh that's where he is so he and copper head out to the game reserve uh because they want to go and find todd they want to kill him there's no ifs ands or buts about it they want him dead and so they sneak into the game reserve which is super illegal and they find a patch uh, that they know that the foxes pass through frequently uh, because, of course, Copper can smell it. And he lays a bunch of traps down, like snap traps, bear traps, bear traps. Yeah. And they're called bear traps, but also like I don't expect they would be exclusively uh, reserved for bears. But anyway, bear traps, you know what those look like. And so puts them down. Uh, Todd kind of goes in that direction. And Vixie immediately can tell something's wrong. She's like, wait, 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 Todd, I don't like this. It's too quiet, which is pretty good, uh, which is a, kind of a good sense of things. Or, you know, if things are too quiet in an area that shouldn't be, then, yeah, you can something's up. And uh, so Todd's like, oh, it's fine. And then as he goes, as he walks in, he's like, you can see on his face, he's looking around and his smile kind of like goes away because he can he can also tell he's like oh no something's going on something's not right here and he's like you can see like it, it pants to like him like stepping over these bear traps and everything until finally uh amos cocks his shotgun and that's what triggers it he's like fuck and so todd just books it snapping like triggering all these all the traps and everything and he runs off uh and Copper and Amos end up um, chasing them to their burrow. Uh, and so they're stuck in the burrow. They can't get out either side because there's two exits to there's two entrances and exits to the burrow. Copper's on one end barking and snarling and scratching. Amos is on the other one, basically pointing a shotgun and eventually puts a bunch of like twigs and dirt and, th- and stuff and sets it on fire and tries to like smoke them out. Uh, and so they only have the one exit, but then Todd's like, fuck it. And so like burst through the other end, through the fire and, and Amos is like, holy shit. And so they're running, running, running. They run up the side of, a of, uh, of like a cliff face by a waterfall. Uh, and then, uh, Amos and copper provoke an attack from a very, very mad grizzly bear who basically just like starts swatting at them and beating them and everything like knocks copper down. Slade gets his foot caught in a bear trap. Uh, and Todd can hear Copper's whines and whelps of pain. So he immediately turns around, runs back, and fights the bear to protect to protect Copper. Eventually, that fight uh, escalates and goes up to this waterfall where they, where they end up on a log. And then the bear swipes at the log, breaks the log, and both, uh, both Todd and the bear fall down. And they fall, and they plummet to the water, plummet down the waterfall. 
Uh, and, uh-oh, are people dead? We don't know. What's happened? Suddenly, so the camera pans down, and there we see Todd up here. And he's swimming to the shore. He doesn't even make it to the shore, but he's in the shallow area of the water. And he's just, like, lying there, like, very akin to what Chief looked like. And he's, like, very weak. And then Copper runs up, and he sees him. He's like, oh, okay. Uh, and then Amos comes up. And he's, like, right. He's, like, comes up, cocks his gun. He's pointing it directly at Todd's face. And then Copper just, like, walks in front and just stops him. He's like, no. Just stares at Amos. Whines at him. And then Amos is like, fine, and puts his gun down. So the two of them leave the game reserve. And that's it. Todd saved Copper's life. Copper saves Todd's life. They reconcile. Uh, they reconcile their friendship. They have one last smile before leaving. And then cut to the home. Uh, Widow Tweed is nursing Amos uh, while the dogs rest. Uh, he's like wrapping she's like wrapping his foot uh copper you hear in his head uh as he smiles uh the memory of when they first met and then it kind of pans out from the house and there you see todd on a hill with vixie as uh todd watches and that's the end of the movie it's very sweet it's a sweet bitter end like it's a bitter happy end it's like it's it's nice they kind of they were able to reconcile they were able to kind of end at the very least as they were able to end friendly um but it's still kind of like yeah but i can never see my friends again you know just because of the way that things are and it's sad Ugh, i get emotional just thinking about it this movie was like it was it was good it was emotional there were stakes it went up and down and like it was funny it was sad the <laughs> the songs were a little lacking but you know it's fine <laughs> uh all in all like yeah this movie is so fun this movie was good this movie is very good um it is based off a book uh i can't remember the name of the book uh, the, well I can't remember the name of the book. The name of the book is, I believe, The Fox and the Hound. Uh, but I can't remember who the author was. Uh, ha, 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 looking it up. Fox and the Hound, the novel. Yeah. Uh, it's from 1967 by American novelist Daniel P. Mannix. And let me tell you guys, let me tell you folks, this book is fucking dark. Like, it's dark. Like, a couple of the characters are uh, the same in that you have the master, who is who in the movie is Amos Light, and then you have two dogs that are named uh, Chief and Copper. But the funny thing is, is that their roles are reversed. Chief is actually the young pup, and Copper is actually the old dog. So that's the interesting thing. But, like, this, this book is, like, super dark. Like I, I I I read the plot of it, and it's like, holy shit! It's basically like, uh, there's a bit of rivalry between Chief and Copper. Uh, it's gonna be difficult because these two are reversed. Copper is old, Chief is young. Uh, and so there's a little bit of rivalry between there. Uh, Todd, 
uh, is the same, uh, is raised as a pet by one of the human hunters who killed his mother and littermates. So, like, what? You just took pity on this on this kit? Which is also what they're called. The baby foxes are not called pups. They're called kits. Anyway, so, like, it's wild because, like, uh, Todd's, like, enjoying his life. And then when he becomes sexually mature, like, when he reaches adulthood, he goes back to the wild. And then, like, uh, establishes, like, a little bit of territory, learns some evasion techniques from other dogs. You know, he's kind of, like, enjoying, like, kind of being cheeky and everything. Comes up to the house. He sees a bunch of the dogs chained and everything and, like, fucks with them uh, until Chief, the young dog, uh, breaks the chain and chases him. Uh, mas- the master uh, runs with Copper, the old dog, and watches as, like, Todd flees along a railroad track while the train is approaching, waiting to jump safely until the last minute. Uh, unfortunately, Chief is killed by the train, uh, which apparently uh, was supposed to actually happen in the film as well. So in the film, when Chief... Old Chief, I'm going to have to, oh, this is going to be confusing. So when Old Chief in the movie uh, was knocked off by, was knocked off by the train, he was apparently supposed to die, uh, which was a point that was, I believe, brought up by, um, uh, oh my God, oh my God, his name, Don Bluth, because Don Bluth worked on this movie. Uh, and so there was a bit of uh, um, frustration there. And so, which ultimately led Don Bluth to take him and his animating team and just, they just left. And then uh, Don Bluth became uh, his own thing. Uh, And I mean, like, he kind of, you know, did all right, I guess. (laughs) Becoming Don fucking Bluth. Anywho. Uh, And so, yeah. So now, like, uh, the master's crying over Chief. And so... The master trains Copper to ignore all foxes except for Todd. And over the span of, the, of their lives, like, basically it's just been, like, the master hunting Todd ex- almost exclusively. And, like, the wild thing is, is that, like, he basically affects, like, all the other foxes except for Todd. Like, Todd mates with, with, uh, with another vixen who gives birth to a bunch of kids. Before they're grown, the master finds their den, literally gasses them to death. And then sets out some leg hole traps and then kills the vixen. Later on, again, Todd makes a new mate, makes another litter. And then the master uses a still hunting technique, which is like just sitting there, like not moving, like attracts the other, the the kits, kills them all, and then kills the the mother. Like, what the fuck? And then like as years go, because like here's the thing the movie didn't do is that they didn't show uh, like uh, like a long time, a long time jump, which is uh, what happens in the book. In that, like, you get a little bit of urban uh, urbanization, more and more buildings and highways and things. Um, farmers are pushed out. Uh, but a bunch of the animals still kind of stay, such as some of the foxes. Uh, the other foxes, unfortunately, start acting, uh, start changing their, um, their behaviors, becoming a little more aggressive and, like, prone to promiscuity and stuff like that, which is interesting because I feel like that's a regular thing in the animal kingdom but anyway it's fine <laughs> so now master has lost ho- has lost almost all of his land and he only has the one dog and so every winter they try and hunt down todd the master is now an alcoholic uh and like 
the people are like trying to be like, hey, you should go to a nursing home, but there's no dogs allowed. Suddenly there's a rabies outbreak and then like a bunch of the foxes are infected. One of the foxes infects a kid. And so they go to the master and being like, hey, can you help us kill a bunch of these foxes? So he does that. But then he sets a poison and then one of the kids dies because he ate it. And so the humans remove the poison. And so the master decides to organize a massive hunt and just basically flushes out the foxes and just kills a bunch of the foxes. Uh, one morning, Todd escapes from a bunch of greyhounds and the master sends copper. And so the co- and so copper, uh, old copper, basically chases Todd for like a full 24 hours. Finally, Todd drops dead of exhaustion. Copper collapses on top of him almost to, almost to death. The master nurses Copper back to health. Uh, Everybody's all happy because the fox is dead, blah, blah, blah. But then slowly that accomplishment dies down, the popularity dies down, and the master is left alone again. He returns to drinking and finally decides to agree to go to the nursing home. And so crying, he takes his shotgun from the wall, leads Copper outside, pets him gently before ordering him to lie down, covers the dog's eyes as Copper licks his hand trustingly, and then kills him. What the fuck is this book? And how did they get this movie from this book? How do you reach that from this? This is wild to me. Like, holy shit. <laughs> like, wow. Huh. Wow. Anyway, so that's the movie. The movie is cute. Uh, <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, it's wild. Um... Apparently, this is, uh, I, ju- I literally just read it, uh, but uh, I believe this is like a big turning point for animation in regards to Disney. Uh, by late 1978, uh, Frank Thomas, Ollie Johnson, and Cliff Nordberg had completed their animation. And so uh, this, ba- this project basically marked the last film, the involvement of Disney's nine old men, right, who were like some of the nine most uh, long-standing animators in the Disney company. They've been there pretty much since the beginning. Who retired early, rightfully so. They have every right. You know, it's, they're old. Uh, but then gave way to the new generation of directors and animators, who included John Lasseter, John Musker, Ron Clements, Glenn Keane, Tim Burton, Brad Bird, Henry Selick. Like, these are these are names that we know today. You know, like John Lasseter, of course, uh, like who's like basically the head of fucking Pixar. Uh, John Musker and Ron Clements are like uh, a ridiculously great um, uh, directing duo. Things like The Great Mouse Detective, Little Mermaid, Aladdin, Hercules. Uh, I believe they did. I think they did Moana, too. Like, of course, Tim Burton. We know Tim Burton. Who doesn't know Tim Burton? Uh, Brad Bird, uh, who's who's director in Pixar. For The Incredibles, Ratatouille, he did The Iron Giant. Henry Selleck, in, uh, famous for Night Before Christmas, Changing the Giant Peach, Coraline. Uh, Glenn Keane, uh, directed, or sorry, uh, character animator for Little Mermaid, Beauty and the Beast, Aladdin, Pocahontas, Tarzan, Tangled. Like, these are these are names we know, right? And like I said earlier, it was, was uh, the last film that I believe uh, Don Bluth uh, was a part of. And so, yeah, this is a big movie. This is a big film, at least behind the scenes. Uh, the movie's budget was $12 million, and the box office was 63.5. That's a hell of a lot of money. 
So, like, needless to say, I think it did a pretty good job in... I wouldn't call this movie a box... Like, this this movie was not a flop, by any means. And it's interesting to me because, like, this movie is considered to be in the Bronze Age, right? And I've always thought... I always thought it was weird that, like, the Bronze Age even exists as an age in that it's considered... They're considered to be some of the weakest Disney movies. Even though, like, the movies that we've watched, the movies that we've talked about are all fucking good movies. But... I guess, like, I'm trying not to see them through, like, a nostalgic lens, of course. Uh, but, like, just objectively, I think these movies are legitimately really good. Because I haven't seen these movies in forever either. And so I am coming at them with a pretty uh, new eye, if that makes sense. So, yeah. Anyway. Um, what is my rating of this film? Honestly, I'd probably give it, like, a good 8. An 8 out of 10. It's got emotion. It's got stakes. It's got cute, adorable moments. Uh, you have talking animals, which is always fun. <laughs> uh, yeah, like this movie. This movie is surprisingly fun and good, and I liked it. So yeah, uh, I do. I I honestly recommend people to watch it. Although, be prepared for emotions. You will cry. So I think just knowing that going into it, I think that's at least it, going into it being prepared for hard emotions. I think is kind of like the very least that people can can have like for them anyway so uh thank you all for joining me for this discussion of fox and the hound next week we're gonna have we're gonna tackle the sequel fox and the hound 2 which is a wild ride i remember seeing it once and i was like holy shit this is weird uh (laughs) copper so we're back to like young copper old chief copper (laughs) joins a traveling country singing group uh reba's in it of course, because why not? <laughs> it's a mid-quill. It takes place while uh, Todd and Copper are still puppies. A pup and a kit. So, yeah. Let's look forward to that. Uh, until then, everyone, I hope you all enjoy your week. Uh, have a good week. Uh, take care of yourselves. Uh, get some exercise. Drink your water. Take your meds. Eat your food. All that jazz. Get some sunshine if you can. You know, get some air. Good things. You know, good things like that. Some self-care. Get some self-care. Uh, Until then, see y'all next week, and bye.